Um, tonight's discussion is going to be uh, regarding uh, what's maybe a conflict that exists between uh, certain themes and responsibilities that we have as individuals. Uh, we know, we believe, we have faith that the Almighty not only created the world, but is in charge and running the world. And, you know, we're thankful to the Almighty when good things happen to Him, to, to us. We uh, pray that good things ought to happen to us. We attribute our successes to the Almighty. We say, thank God, thank God things are well, thank God, thank God, thank God I'm healthy, thank God I have, I have, I have, I have, I have, uh, I have my livelihood, thank God I have my family, thank God I have, uh, I live in these United States. We, like, we thank God for all the things that we have, and we attribute the things that we have to Him as well. Uh, and I think that that's obviously one of the core uh, elements of Judaism, that you have faith. It's the first thing that we mentioned, it's the first of the Ten Commandments. It's the first thing Maimonides mentions. It's, it's, it's the core. That's what it's all about, right? That's the one true reality is the reality of God. Everything else is a dependent reality. Everything else is a contingent reality. Nothing else has any individual value because if God brings about everything, everything is thus dependent upon God and God himself is not dependent upon anything. Thus, there's only one true variable in the world, and that's God. Everything else is relative. <clears throat> so that's, like, this is the core of our religion, I would say, very confidently, uh, on one hand. On the other hand, we have a notion, um, and we have uh, a duty to do, thi- do things on our own, to be motivated, to be galvanized, to work hard, to put in the hours in every area of our lives. You know, we tell our kids, you know, you, you put in the efforts and you'll be successful in your life in whatever way it is. It could be in relationships, it could be in your career, it could be in your business, it could be in your, your physique, your dieting, whatever it is. And when we're doing that, we're telling our kids, you do it and you'll be successful. You don't do it, you won't be successful. Well, what about God? So it seems uh, uh, at first glance, we're going to try to tiptoe into this discussion slowly, uh, that there are essentially, there's a conflict. Uh, on one hand, we have the Almighty's supervision in us, the Almighty's uh, being in, 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 in total control of everything that happens to us. On the other hand, we talk about our responsibility to do the most, most we can, our uh, um, uh, commitment that we have to have towards, towards the effort uh, and towards giving 100% that we should be successful. So which is it? And if it's one, is it one, is it, is it one or, or is it the other? Uh, and I think that the conversation or the discussion can really have, you know, there's a few different areas that we could talk about uh, with regards to this core problem. I, I don't want to say problem. I think conflict is probably better. Or, or quagmire. I don't know. Which one's best? Either one's fine, right? I don't see the issue. You don't see the issue? No, because we're in a partnership with God. Okay, so let so 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 so, so let's uh, don't jump to the answer already. I'm not. Okay, let's go. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. There's not. There's not a. I don't see the issues. Oh well, there's I. Partners. So, I do. I do. Yeah. Okay. I do. I do. I do. The, God gives you the two. Are you warm? Is Are you warm, warm or is it? Maybe okay, we could have a little more air. Let's see if uh, I am sweating. I don't know if this right. thing is on. What's it? What's it say? It's only like a hundred degrees outside, so. <laughs> Okay, so thank you for the um, uh, temperature yeah. <laughs> control, <laughs> climate management. Uh, so let me let me let me introduce maybe perhaps uh, maybe it's a simple question, maybe it's just you know over the top question. 
um, but maybe there's some truth to it. Um, so when uh, when someone dies, you know, and everyone's going to die, so it's, it's unfortunate, it's sad, but everyone dies, uh, we have certain things that we say, and there's a very famous verse uh, that we read, Hashem Nasan, Hashem Lakach, the Almighty give, the Almighty takes away. He giveth and he taketh away, right? I don't know why I have to add the DH at the end. He gives and he takes away. So what are we essentially declaring? The Almighty obviously gives the gift of life. And when it's, he's done, he takes it. The Talmud says that there's three partners every man, the father, the mother, and God. The father gives X, uh, mom gives Y, and the Almighty gives Z. And at the time of death, the Almighty says, I'll take what I'm going to give and I'll leave what your parents gave. Once again, the Almighty is controlling who's, who's living and who's dying. So, now this is a little bit out there, so you know, I'm, I'm just trying to bring a point here. Um, if the Almighty is going to decide when I'm going to die, does it make sense or is it unreasonable for me to say I'm not going to wear a seatbelt uh, while I drive? Because if I get into an accident and I die because I didn't have a seatbelt, well, I would have died anyhow because that's what God wanted me to die. Uh, or I could... I don't know, do something really dangerous. I don't know, drive, uh, you know, in reverse. <laughs> I'm not going to take it for that. Uh, or walk into a highway and try to dodge the trucks. Is that crazy? I, if you believe that the Almighty is in charge of who lives and who dies, mazel tov, the Almighty is in charge. So if, I'm one, if it's meant for me to die, it's meant for me to die anyhow. And if not, then I'll, then I'll, then I'll be, then I'll be in, you know, in, in safe, uh, I'll emerge safely. Is that a reasonable question? I, I think that it's it's a good roof. You know, what do you guys think? I think most of us are putting our seatbelts on, right? Clicking our ticket. Uh, but I think there's there's at least room for discussion. It's like if let's assume we accept we accept the principle thousand percent. The Almighty is in control of life and death. Let's we we accept that. If we accept that, is it reasonable to say that we can act in a way that maybe quote unquote imperils our life, but it it doesn't if the Almighty is in charge. Maybe we should be smoking. Maybe it's better for us. Yeah, common sense. Should we take a cigarette break? God also gave us a brain. Oh. <laughs> and, that, and that's where I'm saying the partnership is he gave us the tools. And it's up to us to use those tools or not use those tools. So uh, so let's, let's break down what you're saying. You, 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 uh, you have a, prop- a propensity to always jump to the conclusion, which is very good. <laughs> um, but le- but let, let's take this to the logical, logical end, right? So what you're saying is that... It's not going to micromanage. Our, it's not going to micromanage. Right. But that's, very, it's a, that's a very dangerous thing to say because we do true. say that he does micromanage. Right, he does. We find right. statements in the Talmud that everything that happens, every single thing that happens to us is, is the Almighty's doing. So obviously the question is, I, I think essentially our discussion maybe is... Maybe predestined too. Maybe, well, the, yeah, but, but, but then you know, there's the argument of our actions are going to contribute. So the question is, where, where do these two meet? Where does the, on one hand, our brain, our intelligence, our common sense, uh, where does that, what's the requirement that that, that has? On one hand, on the other hand, well, God's creating uh, the arena for our life. And sometimes he does things that even, you know, he takes people away in, in, in ways that they didn't, you know, the people are perfectly healthy, they exercise, and they die. See, I look at the text and it comes to my mind. You're talking about... 
you're talking about someone who's dangerous and does bad things, I can think of many people who do everything, quote, unquote, right, eat right, don't smoke, or healthy, and boom, some, they get sick, they get some hidden cancer that, Which is you a know, heart attack. Mm -hmm. Heart attack, boom. so boom, you know, it's not what we have control over. No. So you saw, then you get the guy who flies the plane full of passengers into the side of a mountain, mountain yeah. because he decides to commit suicide and take 80 or 100 and whatever it was with him. Yeah. Uh, you know, they were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. He, he overrode anybody else's choice. And I don't think God said, okay, I'm putting all of you in the plane at the same time to die. I'm going to take all of you now because I've decided and predestined that for all of you, including a baby and including, a, you know, all kinds of ages and everything else, innocent people, because this well, person well, well, decided. Well, this, this, I, I, want it, I think I agree with you, mm -hmm. but I think I don't agree with you. Okay. And let me tell you why. Because you, I think that your argument is based upon the fact that it, it, there's the old people, there's young people, right? Uh, the Almighty could keep calculations, you know, he, much in a much grander scale than we can. So it's very possible, it's very likely that each one of those people, for whatever reason, they might have wanted their soul back, and we don't, we wouldn't know why. Yeah. I happen to agree with you that you're right. I happen to agree with you. This is a subject of huge debate. I think it's it's today, tonight's debate, is that there is a possibility, and I think you're right, that the power of of the individual and the choice that the individual makes, the free will, like you said, that can not only affect them. That affects other people as well. Mm -hmm. You know, think about it. If I choose to be a bad parent, who's going to suffer? The kid's going to suffer. Whoa, whoa, what do you mean? That, that, that's the leash that the Almighty gives us with our free will to do good, to do bad, to do good for us and, and good for the world, and bad for us and bad for the world. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that there's two possibilities in that story. Obviously, it's tragic, and we, we have to discuss this sensitively, of course. Uh, but... Uh, in an, in an example like the case that you mentioned, it's possible that no, like each one of those people, for whatever reason, they happened to, the humanity kind of got all these people together and, you know, they all had to be offed, so to speak. Off is a bad word. Again, like I said, that's be whacked. Your oh, partnership. <laughs> but not all that's partnerships. Even worse. <laughs> even worse. Yeah. But not all partnerships are good. <laughs> yeah, so, and, you know, we, we, don't, we cannot fathom the extent of God's calculations and his plan for everyone. No. Of course. Okay. However, I think that there is legitimacy to the argument as well that it's possible for the pilot's free will to affect other people, even though they shouldn't have died. And he, with his actions, can affect others. We live in, an, we live in a world where there's free will interdependence. Hey, see, let me tell you, like on 9-11, some people... Didn't go because for some reason God pulled them back and wouldn't. And there's hundreds of stories okay, like that. Okay, that's what I'm saying. So obviously, everybody on that plane, God wanted to die because that's if right. He did not want them to die, He would have made a missile plane. He would have had someone get sick or something like there that. There are so many stories like that. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Seth MacFarlane. You know Seth, Seth MacFarlane? No. Yeah, that's a familiar. He's the guy from uh, from Family Guy. Family Guy. Uh -huh. oh. He he had a ticket on one of those planes. I'm pretty sure it was Seth, Seth MacFarlane, and he woke up late or something like that. And he so God didn't. It wasn't. Yeah, but but there's God. you know that's yeah, a famous that's person. It. But but there's I yes. I know myself of like stories tens, tens of stories, but tens I'm of just stories. Saying, but is that rationalizing? Well, no, the, no, but I th I think that there's Could maybe be. room for both for mm -hmm. both of these theories to be true. That 
Go ahead. Yeah, I, I, what I'm saying is God's going to take you when it's your time. And I believe everybody on that plane, was it was time. their time. I mean, you know, we don't Forever. know the reason God didn't do it. The man, the pilot, the, the Yeah, but God let, them, God let them get on that plane. He could have prevented them. He could have gotten another flight. He could have prevented them from missing it. He wanted that to happen. But there are numerous times in our day, in our week, that God allows us, if you want to put it in those terms, to do things that maybe are not in our best interest. He allows us to make mistakes. So why would he allow them to get on the plane? Because it was their time to die. All those school children, I, I can't yeah. tell yeah. I know. I'm saying, okay, but wait, 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 wait. Go with We don't know why. Time for their soul to go what back. What about the soldiers who were just killed today? In yeah. Chattanooga. Yeah, it was Tom. Yeah. In, um, in Tennessee. The recruitment yes. center. Yeah, recruitment uh, center. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I just know what happened. Some guy drives by. From Born in Kuwait. Shockingly. But but when and school in Chattanooga, the kid was yeah, he was educated in yeah, the United he was States. an Americanized. But uh, yeah. his parents, apparently not. His it was parents obviously was. time yeah. for them to go. <laughs> yeah. He was Americanized, but not up here. I think that's the way <laughs> yeah. humans want to explain it. But if God's in control, yeah. God wants well, maybe yeah, but, not. But 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 remember, this is something very. I, mean, I love this discussion because exactly. you're both right, exactly. and I have evidence on both sides, which makes it a really oh. naughty question. Yeah. It's not a cut and dried issue. If it was cut and dried issue, we could just say cut and dried. Zell Mazel stuff, we could go home and start, uh, you know, I don't know, prepare for Shabbos, right? Um, I have evidence to both sides. Um, on one hand, we say, of course, the Almighty is going to, uh, there's, there's countless examples in the Talmud. Like it says, uh, if someone needs to die and another person needs to, uh, the example the Talmud says, it says, someone kills accidentally. So this week's partial, we read about someone who kills accidentally, they have to go, they have to get a punishment. It's a minor punishment, but they have to get a punishment. If someone kills intentionally, then they have to be executed. Now let's say someone killed intentionally, uh, but there were no witnesses, so you can't execute him. And there was another person who killed accidentally, but there were also no witnesses. So the Talmud says that the Almighty is going to arrange... That the guy who killed intentionally is 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 laying down relaxing on a uh, you know on a on a uh, on a beach chair, and the guy who killed unintentionally is going to be climbing a ladder. He's going to miss a rung. He's going to fall down. He's going to kill the guy who killed intentionally, and the guy who killed unintentionally is going to there'll be witnesses, and he'll 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 have to he'll have to have the go to the city of refuge and be punished. Uh, as the guy who, uh, for the for the activity of doing of killing unintentionally, and the guy who killed intentionally, he, well, he got executed. That's what the Talmud says. Now, I, I think it's important to realize that we don't know how many documented cases in history there are of people climbing ladders and all this working out perfectly. Uh, specifically, ladder climbing. What you know? What if he didn't climb a ladder? What if he was driving a, tr- a truck or something like that? We don't know. But clearly, the theme of that statement is that the Almighty will arrange all the chess pieces that people that need to do, get what they need to get will get it. <laughs> right. So, 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 so that theory is, is this for sure, for sure truth to that on one hand. On the other hand, well, let's say, uh, uh, let's say the guy who, um, the guy who, well, uh, let's qualify it here. Let's just say what we need to say if we want to say it. And that'll make sense if I say it. When I say it, hopefully. <laughs> if not, we'll just stop me. Um, let's assume 
let's assume that uh, that it's that what Monica is saying is is, is is entirely true all the way to the end, right? That it's not possible for me to kill someone who is innocent, or God doesn't doesn't want them right now. Then what would we need to say? If we say that, there's something else we need to say, and that is that anytime let's say someone let's say someone's a murderer, any murder that happens. The victim had to have died. The victim had to have died anyhow. Is that right? Yeah. Because otherwise, it's not his time. That's right. And if we're saying that my free will cannot encroach on someone else's free will, thus the free will of the murderer cannot encroach on the the life of the victim, then it must be that the guy was dead meat anyhow. So that, 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 that's a big, big insight. Anytime someone does... And, and then, then how do you blame the murderer? How do you blame the murderer? You killed innocent blood. No, he wasn't innocent. He was going to die anyhow. Monica told me. No, but what about all those people that um, somebody was trying to kill and they were left for dead, but they didn't... They survived it. Okay. Obviously, it wasn't their time. I mean, it's like, I mean, the person who did the murder needs to get in trouble be, be punished because he wasn't supposed to do that because it sits in the... Commandments thou shall not kill. Oh, so you're so you're very good. That's very good. So what what Monica is saying, and I'll even bring you a source for that. Monica is saying yes, the person needed to die, but you didn't you kill him. Is that what you're saying? Right? Yes, the guy who was killed, they deserved to die. It was their time. I didn't How, say they deserved to die. Well, I God wanted time. God's time. Well, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And, and, and wait before you go any further. <laughs> wait, just stop. <laughs> but sometimes. If you're, if this is your time, yeah. But you trip up, and you're not right there at that particular. Well, the argument, the argument was that if you won't trip the up. Pers- if the murderer is going to kill somebody in a dark alley, mm-hmm. and that's his time, the victim's time. Yeah. Then it doesn't matter if he's in the back alley or over here. If he's not in the alley. He's not dead at the same time. Yeah, but according according to Monica, what will happen is the person won't trip up because the Almighty made sure that the person's there in time to get to the dark alley. How about this little curve on these stories of murder? How about where the murder is actually one of great torment? What? In other words, that person, let's say, person X, was destined to die. Uh Uh-huh. And in the case is, it's going to be by the hands of this murderer here. But it's not as simple as that because some of these cases involve torture. Well, that's really a... Yeah, were they like... A nasty of nasties. Where we watch all these, where they like to... uh, (laughs) They they get a kick out of watching you um, suffer. suffer. Yeah, Yeah. well, how does one start to... Put that in the but you love it, you want to chemistry. Lock your doors, right? Yeah. Okay. Look, he's a you don't have to be a crazy killer. Look at some of the atrocities no, done by military. No, but that's what military. we're talking about, non-crazies. Yeah, no, 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 non-cra- you know, people are people, and people have, there are many with a great deal of evil in them. Correct. We're, we accept that. We have to have evil. So, but we're saying, but we're saying that God controls this to the point of saying this is going to be the end. But in between the uh, the person who actuates the killing or the murder, there's torture involved. Well, can we attribute that to God's will? 
Well, it, well, mean, we have to we have to attribute if we accept this whole the original premise, we have to attribute both good things and bad things to God. So that's a very troubling thing to accept, you know. But there's a lot of terrible well, things, especially to an innocent, yes, or to what we would consider as innocent. Well, a child. Okay, Rabbi, that's right. Throw a little, little, little wrench in here with uh, this. Yes, what this, about the whole there's, reincarnation? There's a whole bag of wrenches. Yeah, the whole reincarnation yeah, issue. And the, the steps you have to which, go through. Which, which, by to, the way, which, by the way, would you know, would perhaps yeah. help us with with Barry's problem. So that, you know, the child, if the child has a previous life that they need to atone for, yeah. that's, uh, that idea has been proposed. I'm not trying to, trying to yeah, say that. I, 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 I'm trying to I'm develop trying a discussion here. But I want to say another, another point just to, to, to go back onto what Monica said, that uh, we find in, in, in Genesis, uh, the Almighty tells Abraham, your kids are going to be my kids, chosen people, right, the whole deal. But they're first going to spend 400 years in the foreign land. And then when they leave, they leave with, uh, with great miracles and lots of money. Okay. Thus, it was predestined. This one, so this one is absolutely clear yeah. that the Jewish people are going to be tormented and enslaved for a long time. That already was told to Abraham. But why would God let that happen? Well, I gave an entire I've, I gave an entire class on that. Um, why, why is it Why is it necessary? Why is that a necessary prerequisite for the Jewish people becoming the Jewish people? It's a very good question. Why is that a Because if you even look at, this is chapter 17 in Genesis, if you even look at the way it's described in, 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 in the chapter, it makes it very clear that uh, a condition of receiving the Torah and, and becoming the Jewish people, becoming the Jewish nation, is that you have to be a slave first. The question is why. It's a very good question. I gave a, a few classes on that uh, recently. I love the question. It's a terrific question. Um, I think I even did a video. Did they, did I do a video about that? Did I mention that in one of the videos? I might have mentioned in one of the videos that Dave asked the questions. Maybe, because we've uh, talked about this somewhere. Yes. In some class, so, yes. somewhere. It takes so many of them. But, yeah. So, we've talked about it. Let me, let me finish this point. Um, so it says that they, they, they have to be enslaved, for sure. Now, what happens? They get enslaved. By who? By Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And what happens to Pharaoh and the Egyptians? They get vanquished. And the question is, wait a minute, we're just doing the will of God. This is a clear case where we know for sure that it was predestined. Right? There's no argument that it's free will just can you know, turn the side. It had to have happened. Right? Or did it? Well, it did. But the, the Almighty says that it's going to happen. Uh, however, so, so why is Pharaoh punished? So what, that's, the, that's the question that was asked. But one of the answers, one of the classical answers to this question is that, exactly what you're saying, Monica, that yes, the Jewish people needed to be enslaved. But Pharaoh didn't need to do it. Let someone else do it. The fact that you decided that you're going to be the one to enslave the Jewish people, that's what you're getting punished for. For your free will choice, even though the result is something that had to have happened anyhow. It wasn't about bringing out the... It wasn't that the result of enslaving the people, of marginalizing and tormenting the people, that's not what you're punished for. You're punished for your decision to do that because you didn't need to do that. It had to happen, yes, but not by you necessarily. So that, that point is, is also a very incredible insight. Dave. So yeah, your brother tells the story of a, of a rabbi. So this is for Go ahead. No, I was just. I was just no, I, I don't agree with that. Okay. Yeah, of a rabbi. Hang on. Can I ask a question before you go on? One quick clarification. Go ahead. So you're talking about the Pharaoh that. Um, what's that? I'm sorry. Enslaved? Ramsey? Yes. Uh, when, when we fled. Ramses. Ramses. When we fled or when we were enslaved, we were enslaved for a long time. So uh, it what seems Pharaoh are you saying? Right, right. For so the whole so it's, it's important because the Torah does not. Were they does, does, all tortured and all? It seems like there yeah, were. Yes. Ramses wouldn't let them go. Remember, 
Moses went yes, but and let my people go, and he didn't want to let them go. But the previous generations, for three, four hundred years, wouldn't let him go either. Right. So the truth is, the truth is, they were only. I made a mistake. Go. They were only enslaved for about 110 years. Uh, prior that, weren't they weren't enslaved? Yeah. Um, well, they were there for in the entire uh, time that they were in Israel was 210 years. Uh, but not all of it was was enslaved. They started they started off with it's Joseph was there, well. etc. Yeah. Uh, but uh, as to the pharaohs, the Torah is not distinguished between the different pharaohs. I, I would assume over 110 years you have a few different pharaohs. I think it's a safe assumption that we can make. It seems likely that the policies didn't change. Even though the, the, the beginning of Exodus does talk about a new pharaoh. We don't know exactly, is it one new pharaoh, is it two new pharaohs, is it a new, uh, uh, a new dynasty of pharaohs or a new uh, regime of pharaohs, multiple pharaohs that had the same policies. Either way, it's the pharaoh, the, yes. The now the term Ramses, Ramses, we have no idea. Is, yeah, we have no idea. We, the Torah does say that they built they built a city called Ramses that we know. Right. So it's likely that it's one of those guys. We know that the Egyptian. We found that we found the evidence that there was a guy named Ramses who was the pharaoh at that time about thirty three hundred years ago. <laughs> huh? Sorry. Who? He doesn't compare. He's too young. Moses. Yeah. Moses. The, um, you know the original Ten Commandments. Here's my question. Nineteen fifty six. Here's my question. Go ahead. Your brother tells a story of a man, of a rabbi, a real, a real, famous, a real renowned rabbi, come stopping at somebody's house, puts and and the baby died, and the rabbi went right after the bris. Marvelous. Right after the bris. That's great. Now, yeah. right. how right do you what what do you say to a parent? Do you tell a parent it was his time, and they're supposed to accept that? So there's two questions that you asked. You asked one question and then another question. And this is the core point. I want to make this very clear. I gave an, I gave an entire lecture. I think I gave two or three lectures on this right. issue. Okay. It's a very grave issue. Bad things happen to good people, and it's discussed so widely in Jewish writings. It's not like, oh, uh, this is a hard question beyond the scope of this discussion. That's not what we do in Judaism. We don't run away from hard questions. It's discussed at great length. Uh, but it's very important to realize there's two questions. And if you don't realize this point, then you cannot possibly uh, proceed. When you ask, why do bad things happen to good people? Or why a terrible, tragic thing happens to innocent people? Whatever, however you want to formalize that question. That question is two questions. And one of them is an emotional question. And you said, well, what do you tell the parents? That's how you phrased it. That's an emotional question. Uh, if you are in the presence of tragedy... That's the only question you can ask. However, there's also a philosophical question, right? It's just, and, and, and then and the setting has to be right for the philosophical question. If you're sitting in a shiva house of a tragedy, you can't say, well, the Almighty wanted it to happen. You know, you know that, that's the wrong approach because you're not answering any questions because you're answering the wrong question, right? So that's why it's very important. You're asking me a question, and I want to know which question do you want answered. I would like the one you just asked. I asked two of them. To me, I would like to know how you approach somebody and said it's your time to go. I never, I never said that. I, I, that's not the question. I, like I said, the only setting for answering the philosophical question is outside a setting of tragedy. So I would never tell anyone yeah. why their kid has to die, their spouse has to die, something like that. So that, because it's not, it's, you cannot have a, a deep, philosophical, intense conversation in a Shiva house. It doesn't work like that, right? Uh, how, the, what, I, what you would say is, um, we find in Abraham. Well, what happened with Abraham? Now, what do we know about Abraham? Spit out some things. What do we know about Abraham? Kindness. 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 
Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, what else? Jewish Father Jewish people. He left his First family. First monotheist. Okay. Okay. So, um, but Abraham, we know, was a a giant intellectual. He was a giant intellectual. Uh, in fact, he, who knows? He might have been the greatest innovator, uh, uh, a philosopher, a theologian of all time. It's very likely. Uh, and it's I would make the argument, and I would defend this. Uh, that he impacted the world more than any single individual. Uh, Abraham, we know, would go and have debates. Abraham was a polemic. Abraham was a titanic individual, uh, intellectually. As we know, he developed our entire theology right, on his own, you know, with his own intelligence in a world that totally rejected that. And now, thousands of years later, the entire world has essentially accepted the Abrahamic uh, ideology. Now Abraham, but it wasn't on his own. He was in partnership with God. Well, no, he didn't. He, he didn't have prophecy until he was seventy-five. Well, he didn't what? God he was didn't have prophecy, prophecy, but God was there. Well, true, so of course. You're in of partnership. Means, that's tr- that's 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 true. Of course, he, <laughs> and he got the brain from God. Of course, so of, of, of course, of course, of course. So but he had the free will to make yes, those choices, exactly. And he had the capacity as well. Exactly. Now uh, so Abraham's wife that? died <laughs> tragically at the age of who knows. 127. Now, if someone, if someone's wife dies at age 27, you'll say, that was a life good lived, right? Yeah, you can kind of maximize it. You know, 127, probably the oldest person around nowadays, right? No, there's no reason to cry, right? Now, if you think about Abraham, Abraham, not only is his wife 127 when she dies, but Abraham is also the most intel- intelligent of all men. He's the most intelligent man around. He's the most rational person around. Therefore, you would think that his approach to it would be rational. You say, well, we know the reasons why God takes people away. We know God's in control. Abraham had perfect faith. He knew that God was in control. He knows that the Almighty gives, the Almighty takes away. How did Abraham mark the death of his wife? With eulogy and with crying and with mourning. What are you crying for? What's, this, what's the tragedy? Your wife was 127 years old. You understand more than anyone else why she had to die. You understand that it was a time. The answer is that even Abraham, who is the great intelligent, who is the great faith, and even though his wife was 127, that is still not a setting for a philosophical debate. That is a place for, for crying, for mourning, for eulogy. Why? Because in an emotional setting, only the emotional uh, response is taken. Right? And that's why, and even Abraham, that, that, it's a legitimate question, and that's the response. And you look at the Jewish laws of mourning, what does it say? It talks about addressing it emotionally. We do not believe in just uh, our philosophy mandates that we accept the emotional uh, side of the coin. However, if you ask, you know, and if you were to ask me in an arena that's entirely devoid of any uh, emotional tendencies, uh, if we could isolate just the philosophical approach, then we have a lot to talk about. Because philosophically, there's a lot out there. Right? Someone mentioned the idea of reincarnation. Um, bless you. Um, there is an, uh, many, many, many sources uh, in Jewish writings that discuss the issue at great length. Um, and there's different approaches, and there's there's uh, there's like themes in the approaches. You know, there's um, there's a lot out there, a lot of material out there. And I, and I would highly suggest if you want to hear more about it, to go to my website. And to find, uh, what would you put in the search bar? You would, you know, why bad things happen to good people. Or like no, that? don't worry, oh, incarnation. Why bad things happen to good people. Oh, okay. Just put that in. 
uh, and I, I gave many a few a whole bunch of talks about it. Uh, yes, that's why it's very important. But this is the most important thing when we're talking about something like that—a tragedy. It's two questions, and no matter who you are, no matter how great you are, if this is an arena of tragedy, we only address the emotional issue. Uh, where were we? Who remembers? They were talking about. Uh, <laughs> so um, I have some more questions here that I think we uh, should discuss. We were talking about that whole issue. See, the whole issue yes. of free will is a very difficult thing to understand. I think, I think it's hard. It's very hard to understand that. Really, I mean, it's really hard to grasp because because God knows what's going to happen, but yet we have free will. You know, it's very. I think it's a great parallel to the discussion we're having today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's you know that. Free will, our decisions on one hand. On the other hand, the Almighty's plan for us. Yeah. I think that this—that's why. And it's a very, it's a very, uh, there's, you know, there's a thin line between the two sides. Yeah. Um, so if everything is predestined or predetermined for us, then we have no free will. And and, and, and free the will problem within, with that within, I suppose, within this circle. But everything's no matter you, you what we think, do. Well, you just think you have free will. Right, well, <laughs> right, but, no, uh, no, the, but there's a big brother, problem. Your brother said don't, don't worry, first of all, don't blame my brother. No, don't no, blame no. me for all the things my brother no, says. Your brother said this because we asked him about that. He said, like on a chess game, God knows you, and he knows what moves you're going to make. But you move the chess players. But he knows, <sighs> but he knows what you're going to do. Yeah, right. That's, Maybe that's, you could expand no. that because to Because you don't say, know what he knows. We don't know yeah, what God he, knows. He knows your personality. So we're doing... And he knows... What you're gonna do? Maybe That's, you yeah. could expand the concept to say we have free will, but we're always playing on God's chessboard. Mm-hmm. So that free will, like someone started to allude to earlier, is still boxed up to a point at which you're controlled. Yeah. You can move, uh, jump uh, once, and take a right twice, but mm-hmm. you know what? That's all you're allowed to do, or maybe you could go right and left. But God is giving us this playing field, and you are playing over there. Mine is over here, and really, that's our limitation. Maybe, well, maybe it's like this. You know, I, we know each other. We know what each other would do in certain situations. How you would react, and God knows more than anybody how you're going to do. Maybe that's. That's what you're well, that's what I'm saying. There's limitations. Yeah, I, I think there's. The, 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 listen, the, listen. The, these two discussions are, are very much linked to, uh, together, uh, and I think that this, the conversation we're having tonight, is is an easier one to to really uh, to really uh, talk about. Um, I have a lot to say on the issue. I really do um, uh, about uh, free will. Um, what I'll tell you is that my monitor is well. I, I, I will never get through this, but okay. I just gave up. I gave up. I have six. I have six and a half pages of sources, by the way. It's not going to happen. <laughs> I'll, I'll just accept that. Um, what my tells us in that uh, philosophical question is that essentially um, our uh, our understanding of the question is is the reason why we have the question. Now, what what that means is that we are working within a framework. And that framework is, what's that? Our own mind. 
we cannot imagine things that are unimaginable, right? For example, uh, you want to imagine, is, try to imagine putting the elephant through the pinhole, right, without making the elephant smaller or the pinhole bigger. Could you imagine that? No, why not? Because this is too big, right? It's not possible, right? You cannot conjure, you have no idea, you, you, why? Because that, there's limitations there, you know? Um, can you imagine existing uh, today and yesterday and tomorrow simultaneously? No, we can't imagine that because we exist now, and then as time passes by or as we pass through time, that's it. Whatever we did is gone, and whatever we're going to do, we haven't yet even met. We have no idea what's going to happen in the drive home. We, we, have, we, we can't imagine what's that. We'll get there at, you know, when, when the time comes. Right. And those are the restrictions of, of, of our perception. Right? That's the way we're designed. We're designed to have these limitations in understanding. The fact that we believe, if you accept the definition of the Jewish God, you believe that God does not have those limitations. And therefore, God simultaneously exists outside of time, thus exists as much as he does today, he exists simultaneously yesterday and tomorrow and a hundred million years ago and a hundred million years from now. For us to understand that, we cannot possibly do it. Right? You've got to break the mold and start from scratch because the human mind cannot grasp that reality. So essentially, our question is only valid when we put God and bring him down to our level. And we say, well, God, uh, in a linear way, God knows what I'm going to do, so I've got to do it. The question is really only valid once, uh, once we, uh, we, we anthropomorphize God. When you accept the Jewish definition of God, that God is not in time and in space. He's not in the same realm. We're parallel existence, so to speak. Of course, we're dependent on God, obviously. But it's not the same reality. It's not the same rules. Then the question, there's no overlap between what God knows and what I do. Well, they're, not, they're, not, they're, they're on different planes entirely. That's essentially Maimonides' answer. So I think that the chessboard answer is, is a very good uh, uh, answer. I'm not contesting its validity. But... Um, the, the real naughty philosophical answer is what Maimonides writes, uh, which essentially he's telling us, listen, you cannot understand because you're human. Uh, but you could understand that you don't understand. You can understand the limitations of your own mind. Uh, let us... Living in a parallel universe. Oh, I didn't say that. No. It's, it's parallel realities. Parallel realities. It's, it's like trying people who say, you know, my parent can talk. The parrot isn't talking, but it's mimicking. We're trying to understand something that is not in our realm. We can only put it in words in our... We, do, that we have definitions. That we have definitions. You know, these, by the way, who, who came up with these definitions? I'm going here, yes, Rabbi, it's what, it's what I've Abraham. tried to put in words. What you're saying is exactly. We try to explain it, but our... Explanation is lim- very we c- limited. It means we cannot be at peace with it because, because the only way for it to accept it. We don't understand. Exactly. God is working in a way that is, you know, it's like somebody from the caveman trying to understand a cell phone. You know, it's like, you know. But it's even more than that. It's but even. It's much <laughs> It's different rules. Yeah, but then every every defense in a courtroom would be, well, 
God predestined that that's what I was going to do. But who said that? No, no one said that. Well, I'm just saying, though. No, no, that, no, you know, no. But it, according to what my mind is saying. I robbed the bank because according I was to what, predestined according, to according, according to what my mind is saying, it says that uh, the Almighty is pre-knowledge of what you did. No one said predestined, pre-knowledge. No one ever says that, by the way. The question is, when we assume that we pre-knowledge... Oh, oh, right. Is that different? Oh, yeah, no, that's not determined the same thing. Uh, I mean, it's destined to happen or it's determined to happen, deterministic. I think it means the, 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 the semantics of it uh, is, is, is um, I don't think it's that, that important. But either way, the fact that the Almighty knows doesn't mean that it has to happen. Why? Because the Almighty knows on his level and we make decisions on our level. They're not on the same level. So, so essentially, if someone does commit the murder, he did it, he chose to do it, and he's guilty and he should be punished for it. The fact that the Almighty has pre-knowledge of that, so what? That doesn't necessarily mean that it's, that it's predestined. Why? Because pre, predestined means that I had to do it, and the Almighty knows it's on His realm. The fact that I, I chose to do it. The fact that the Almighty knew what I was going to choose, well, that's because the Almighty exists outside of time. Right. We don't know, you know what God knows. It's like, it's like you know, if the fact that, uh, um, I don't know, uh, 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 the, the, you know the, the guy shot uh, Archduke Franz Ferdinand. A uh, hundred years ago, like we know, he did it. So he had no free will. Is that what you're gonna say? No, of course not. Because the fact that we know it, because we know it, well, that doesn't mean that he had no free will, right? Because we're existing now post facto. We're existing in a different realm, right? On the day of, well, then we he had free will, right? You would you yeah. would really have free will, yeah. But but we but we, but we know that he did it, so he didn't have free will. Because yeah, we exist after the fact. It's he like had free will, and we just have to the fact. It's like on Oedipus Rex, okay, you know, the Greek tragedy where it was predestined that this baby is going to kill the father and marry his mother. And well, the king said, no, I want you to kill the baby. Uh, that's not going to happen. I, he's not going to marry my wife. Well, anyway, the huntsman didn't kill him or whatever didn't kill him. He ended up killing his father, you know, over some kind of a bridge and ended up marrying the mother. It happened, and they tried everything to make sure it didn't happen. But no, it but happened he's just saying God has pre-knowledge. No, but I'm just, I'm just saying that, like, in the Oedipus Rex, I'm giving you an example on, like, what it happened with Oedipus Rex, where the soothsayer said this was going to happen. And by the way, what you're saying is another one of the answers uh, is very similar to what Monica's saying. Another answer, not, not Maimonides' answer, but the Rivet's answer to this question is that he says... Uh, he actually uses the words that God's knowledge is not is not complete. Thus, God knows, but it's kind of like knowing in like fortune telling. Which to me, that's a it's, to me that's that's a much harder thing to say. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I yes, he's like he's like just like the stargazers can tell somewhat in a murky fashion what's going to be in the future. That's what he says. That's a very problematic uh, statement. Yeah. Uh, For sure, if you believe in God. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's all, very, very all, hard. All, all knowledgeable. It's a very hard, and it seems likely uh, from the context that he's only saying it to try to uh, get rid of people. I mean, he's 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 to get rid of of people that say, oh, the you know, the, the, you know, he's essentially saying it for the non-intellectuals. That's what he's doing. He's saying for the non-intellectuals amongst us, this is the answer. Just okay, okay, the mind is no perfectly fine. 
it's clear from 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 his his preamble. He he has a little rant on it, and he say he's like, "Well, why does Maimonides need to re- bring this up? All the people that read because he writes he writes a, a rebuttal to Maimonides by saying, "Why do you have to answer the question? You asked the question. You didn't give a clear answer because he he's telling you that you don't know what you what you what you don't know, right?" And he's like, "Why now? Everyone's reading and say, well, there's a question, but there's no answer. You know what?'" So he says he gives his his answer of a stargazing. So I think it's clear from the context that he's just, he's given the answer because he's worried people will read it and think that, oh, there's no answer. So he's giving them an answer they could understand even though it's nonsense. Who was it, Rabbi, that gave that answer? The Ravid. The Ravid. The Ravid. Uh, he is very enormously significant uh, uh, scholar of the Middle Ages mm-hmm. and he uh, writes rebuttals on Maimonides. <laughs> so if you open yeah, up the book, if you look that. up the open of the book of Maimonides, you read Maimonides on the, on the side, you have a little note, says Rabbi Avram, this is nonsense. He, and he goes on and on and on and on. Uh, he, he was very sharp. Uh, very, very sharp. And, and all his writings, he, he didn't like. He, he was like, a, he didn't like uh, when people, when he, he didn't like what you said, he came after you. I remember once reading, <laughs> this was funny. I remember reading, uh, he, he asked a question, Maimonides writes a law, whatever, it's law, it was law talking about the lost items. I don't remember what the, what the, exact, the exact law was. And he, he asks a question, he's like, and the words of this author, they have no spice and no flavor. <laughs> and then, all the later commentaries that explain what Maimonides says, right, well, they all write their answer, and they explain what Maimonides says, and they answer the Ravid's question. They say, by the way, you should know that the pot, the stew of Maimonides is not lacking, not spice and not flavor. <laughs> That's like their punchline. <laughs> Uh, yes, but that's part of defining God. Maimonides makes, makes it very clear uh, that this that this um, philosophical gap of what we can define, yet we cannot be at ease with because it's, we're defining it in a way that is limiting our understanding of the issue. So I, I, th- I think that there's this sweet spot where we say yes, we know that God knows, yet we don't know how he knows it, uh, how he exists outside of this time. But the fact that he knows, that doesn't infringe upon our activity because our activity is on a different realm. And the example that I said, I said, I'll ask you a question, I'll ask you a question again, right? If we know, if we know that Franz Ferdinand, Ferdinand was killed, once we know that, then there's no free will. We know it. Well, yes, but the question is, the fact that we know it because we exist in a different time capsule than that person, of course we know. If the Almighty exists in the future as well, of course he knows. How does that affect our free will? It doesn't. That's the thing. It only affects our will if we're able to cross over into God's reality, and we can't. It's a complicated answer, but... But But didn't you say then that God is that our lives No, because remember, it's very important to realize here. What what are the ramifications of of that conclusion? Let's assume, for example, and this is not true, but let's assume, for example, that our lives are predetermined. What does that mean? So first of all, it means like God has determined what we're going to be, how rich every action, right? Every action, and we had no we had no choice in the matter. 
Um, the problem with that is, the problem with that is, one of the problems is, first of all, is that, well, then no one could be punished for anything that they did. The most heinous crimes, Bill said, the most heinous crimes, it's just adulant. Right? On, on number one. Number two, uh, we know that we do have free will. And there's ample evidence to the fact that we have free will. That we have competing... Uh, we First of all, everyone feels it amongst themselves. We don't even need to... Everyone knows themselves that they have free will. Um, but even that aside, we have uh, just... There's abundant evidence of the fact that we are being guided by multiple forces. You know, anyone who, anyone who tries to die, anyone who tries to die knows that they have free will. They know what it's like. You're standing in the cupboard mm-hmm. and you have to make the choice. And you're being pulled in, in so many different ways. Primarily, into candy or stay, say no. If, if we're predetermined, we shouldn't have that conflict. That conflict can only exist because we have free choice. Additionally, uh, in, a, in, a more, in a more broader sense, let's assume we don't have free will. Let's assume it's all, it's all predetermined. Well, what does that mean about our lives? I mean, our lives are purposeless. I was just going to say, you right? do nothing. Right. And we're you purposeless. Nothing. So no what greatness is, is celebrated. Right. God, give, God gives us the money, as much or little. Some of us are rich, some of us are comfortable, some of us are poor. That's not our doing. But who said who said so? But who said so? Yeah, you'd, we'd all sit here and somebody would delve out. Well, the we money. have to do our part. Ah, but, but, ah, our part. So, so that's our question. What we do? So that's exactly our question today. Put in all or nothing. God has determined how much we will get. But who says that's right? Mm. But you have to do your effort. You have to do your part. Okay, okay. See, we're okay. So let's bring the sources. I'm gonna bring the sources. You ready, guys? Um, Let's start with the Talmud. I'm doing two Talmuds. Now it's important that people who wrote the Talmud, these are the same people. And if anyone has actually ever studied the Talmud, you will come very, very quickly to realize that these are the most intelligent people you ever meet. And you know. And they're not going to make a clear mistake, especially not in the same book. 63 books of the Talmud. The odds of them making a mistake that is so dramatic as that is apparently uh, the one I'm going to present to you is impossible. And I'll quote. Ready? This is from the Talmud in the book of Nida, in page 16b. And it says as follows. And you're going to like this one. Ready? You're going to like this one. The angel who is in charge of conception. The angel's name is Lila. So far, so good. Lila. Lila? Lila is the word for night. Okay. That's his name. Great. I'm not judging him by his name yet. (laughs) And what does this angel do? He takes a drop. No, the drop is a drop of semen. And he brings it to the Almighty. And he asks the Almighty, what will be with this drop? What will be with this drop? What does that mean? Will this drop be mighty, will be strong, or feeble, or weak? Wealthy, or poor? Wise, intelligent, or foolish? However, righteous or wicked is not declared. And from here concludes the Talmud. From here we see all is in the hands of heaven, aside from fear of heaven. Thus, what's predetermined? How much money you'll have, wealthy and poor. How strong you'll be, physical and intellectual. Essentially everything. Material, physical, intellectual. All, all of the circumstances of our life. Okay? Hold that thought. 
The Talmud in Nida 70b, Amir, was at uh, uh, 54 pages later, asks the following question. What should a person do to become wealthy? What does a person do? And he uses the same exact word for wealthy. He can't say, well, this is a different kind of wealthy. What does a person do to become wealthy? Do to become wealthy? Yes. Okay. And gives you an answer. But it's predetermined, right? But I don't know what's the deal. It's predetermined. Is it predetermined or not? I'll tell you what the answer is first. We just, just we get some financial advice here on the table. Uh, what does a person do? He should increase in commerce and do business with integrity. Formula. Do a lot of business. Yeah. Right? Don't waste your time. Right? A lot of business and do business with integrity. Says the Talmud. Wait a minute. Many people tried this and didn't work for them. A lot of people hustling, trying, trying, and that doesn't work for them. And they're, they're doing it with the, you know, integrity. Rather, says the Talmud, it's not that. He should ask from he to whom the wealth belongs. And who's that? That's the Almighty. And how do we know that? The verse says, right? For is the silver and the gold uh, to God. God is like silver and gold. So pray. So says the Talmud, if it's about prayer, why are you telling me about the increase in commerce and do business with integrity? Just pray. Why don't you give me the answer straight up? Talmud says, One without the other is not possible. You've got to do both. You've got to do the prayer, and you've got to do the do business with integrity, lots of, lots of commerce. Now let me ask you a question. If someone, when the angel's name is Lila, takes the drop and says, will this person be wealthy or will this person be poor? Some people say wealthy, some less wealthy, comfortable, poor, right? Everyone's given a certain label. Great. Let's say the guy was given a label poor. Or wealthy. Right? That's what the person's going to be. It's all, all is in the hands of heaven. Fair on. Why are we saying, what does the person need to do to become wealthy? You know what you need to do? You've got to convince Lila or convince the Almighty. It's too late. It's predetermined. Is it predetermined or is it not predetermined? Or, or, or is there a formula? Well, which one is it? They seem to both be true. But, if they're, but how could they both be true? This is why our discussion is an important discussion. It's a good, it's a good, they're both Talmuds. They're both in the same book. There is no way that this is a mistake in the Talmud itself. There's no way. Uh, so it seems that on one hand, it's predetermined. On the other hand, it's, it's in our hands. So what's the deal? Which one is it? Is it both? How could it be both? How can it be both? It's not like nobody knows anything. What is it? I, one of the little things in our prayer book, I like. Pray like everything depends on God. Act like everything depends on you. Mm-hmm. So one of the commentaries, uh, uh, he asked the question. See, we're not the only ones to ask the question. Yeah. And the answer that he gives is that, yeah, you know what? There's some people. That the, that the angel came and said, this kid's wealthy, and that's it. And I, you know, I've met some people that they're not so sharp. You have no idea, like, how they're good. I'm sure you meet people in business. They're like, how did this guy make any money? Goodness yeah. gracious. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it, it's just that they, the Almighty said they'll be wealthy. But some of the Almighty said they'll be poor. Maybe even dirt poor. And you know what? For those people, what do you do to become wealthy? You could change your lot, so to speak. Yes, there is a default status. If you don't do anything, or if you do minimal, you won't, you won't get there. But if you do do something, it's in your hands. And what does the person need to do to become wealthy? You gotta, you know, there's a formula. All you got to do is do a lot of commerce, do business with integrity, and pray. Right? And even if your lot was originally, when the angel took, your, took, took the drop and said, what is going to be poor, even though if it said that, you could change that. 
Thus, essentially what he's doing is bridging these two realities. Yes, of course, there is this idea of God controlling, predestining, giving us the influence, right? uh, creating the arena for our decisions, for our life, for the circumstances of, of, of who we are and what happens to us. Of course. On the other hand, our actions matter. We can choose good or bad, to improve or, 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 or make worse with, with the cards that we're dealt with. So I think that this uh, example kind of gives us somewhat of an insight to what could potentially be the answer to the big issue at large. Um, I want to give quickly give a few more examples here because I think this is... Uh, uh, I, I have a, I have at least another class in this. Uh, we, uh, this is, we're not even halfway. Um, and I, I want to just give out some more uh, food for thought here because I, th- I think it's, it's the discussion is more important than the conclusion. Um, we find in the book of Genesis a story about Joseph. Joseph was sold into slavery by his own brothers and he was sold to a fellow by the name of Potiphar. Uh, and then a fellow by the name Potiphar's wife, uh, she came to try to seduce him, and he eventually was accused falsely of trying to seduce her. And he was thrown into jail, where he languished for a long time. And then, coincidentally, or not coincidentally, right, he gets two cellmates. And who are they? The cupbearer and the baker of Pharaoh. And what happens? And he, they're there for a while. They have the dreams, and he predicts the dreams correctly. And at the end, you know what he tells them? As the cupper is about to go back, he tells them, do me a favor. Remember me. Go back to Pharaoh and tell him I was falsely accused. I helped you here. I gave you this prediction. You see, I got something. You, 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 you know me. You know I'm a decent guy. Remember me. And then the very next verse says, it was two years later, and then Pharaoh had his dreams. Pharaoh has his dreams, and he sees the seven cows, and the seven fat cows, and seven thin cows, and seven starts of rain, right? And eventually, uh, Joseph is ushered out. Now, the juxtaposition of these two verses, Joseph says, remember me, and then two years later, is pointed out by all the commentaries, and and the Talmud as well, that the reason why Joseph had to have two more years of incarceration was because he relied on the cupbearer. Instead, and, of on God. instead of relying on God, exactly, right? And he was punished for two years of uh, of incarceration. It was he two more years on the, the cupbearer, the butler, okay. Pharaoh's butler, who was his cellmate. Um, what's the deal? You know, so you're not supposed to do what you're not supposed to do what you what you're, what you're supposed to do. On one now, this seems to be pulling us towards the other side. Everything is right. relying on God and don't do anything for it. Well, how does that work? Just another another another. Um, more food for thought. I, I, I have an answer, by the way, to all of this. Um, but I, I don't want to... I'll say one, one, one more Mishnah, and then we'll, and then we'll stop. Uh, this is a Mishnah in the end of the book of Sota. Sota is the book of the Talmud. One of the 62 books of the Talmud talk about what's the case, what happens with uh, adultery. What happens in the instance of adultery. Uh, and it, at the end, uh, it gives a discussion about what changed when the temple was destroyed. It has a whole discussion at the end, towards the end of the book. Uh, what happens when the temple's destroyed? What happened when the temple's destroyed? Like, what, what, uh, what were the various uh, uh, degradations in the status of the Jewish people uh, at that time? So it says, amongst other things, it says, when the temple was destroyed, men of faith disappeared. 
means people don't have faith. Since the temple destroyed, there's no such a thing as men of faith. But when the temple was around, we were the Jewish people, we had people of faith. And now, post facto, the temple's destroyed and we no longer have people of faith. What does it mean to be a person of faith? So ask the Talmud, what does it mean to be a person of faith? Uh, says Rabbi Yitzchak, the Rabbi Yitzchak says, this is referring to people who believe in the Almighty. Okay. As it is written in the Brisa, the quotes of Brisa, or Belezer the Great says, He who has bread in his basket and says, What will I eat tomorrow? Behold, he is from the men of limited faith. So if you have bread in your basket today, and you say, What am I going to eat tomorrow? You are not a man of faith. If you have one meal, that's it. You have $9 left in your bank account. And you're worried about what's going to be tomorrow? You're not a man of faith. Now, what does it tell us? That if you were a true man of faith, you don't worry about what's going to be tomorrow. Additionally, this is a little secret, what else does it tell us? What else does it tell us? If you were a man of faith, you wouldn't worry about about what's going to be tomorrow. You have one, you have bread in your basket, don't think about tomorrow. What else does it tell us, this statement? Should I read it again? You shouldn't invest in your 401k. No, it's not. It's not. No, it's it's interesting when you say that. It's not. This this Talmud does not seem to be instructive, right? Where's the instruction? All it's it's telling us a story. When the temple was destroyed, this and this happened. Doesn't seem you seem to be pulling a lesson. Doesn't say. It doesn't say according to my interpretation. It doesn't say when you are burying your basket today. Don't say what should eat tomorrow. That's not what it says. It says the definition of a man of faith that existed in the temple times is someone who had bread in his basket and wouldn't worry about tomorrow. That's what it says. Somebody, it's not instructive. Somebody's going to provide for you tomorrow. That's true, but for, for the man of faith. Well, for the yes, man of faith. for the man of faith. Yes. That's right. Now, what else does it tell us? Stay in the moment. Huh? Well, it stay in the moment. Just today. He's in the, right. who, for for the, who? For the, the man of faith is all that counts is today, where I this am. This moment. And what is the, and, but what else do we learn from that? There's a, there's a very crucial point here. There's no planning here. There's no planning. Yeah. yeah. Where's your financial planning? In his, if he's got bread in his basket, and he's worried about tomorrow. You have this right now. Is he going to eat the whole thing now, and then what's going to happen tomorrow, and have nothing? Yeah. Yeah. Not be there tomorrow. But he doesn't, but you can't. His time may be up. There's a a crucial takeaway from this Talmud. And I think the takeaway is, is, it's very, it's a little hard to, it's hard to see, but when I say it, I think it'll be very clear. What it's also telling us is that that kind of person is no longer. No longer is there someone who's like that. Thus, if you were to ask me, if I have bread today, should I worry about tomorrow or not? The answer is abso-freaking-lutely. Because the temple's not around. Men of faith don't exist. I'm not a man of faith in the, the, in the way it's described. I have to worry about tomorrow. What am I, a lunatic? I'm not going to tomorrow? I can't do, do, don't do the 401k? There's of a course. Lot of who don't. <laughs> but, yeah, but not, not out of faith. But not out of faith. Just, no, just out of negligence. Just out of stupidity. Yeah. What it's telling us <laughs> is that, yes, there might be this idea of just relying entirely on the Almighty. There is this idea, but that's not for us. That's for men of faith. Those are men of faith, the great titans that existed 2,000 years ago. Times of the temple. The temple was destroyed. The level of the nation spiritually uh, regressed. Now we have no longer have men of faith. 
Now we have to worry about tomorrow. You better worry about tomorrow. Of course you better worry tomorrow. Well, you feed your kids tomorrow. Right? That is the proper approach. So I think this adds another wrinkle to the discussion. It means we were, we were looking at this, you know, what's, what does the Almighty expect of us? It seems like uh, there's this possibility that every individual is treated as individual. So your level of faith and my level of faith and every one of us here, our level of faith, where we are as individuals, that is where the two points shall meet. For, for, for Joseph, to him, to even open his mouth and say, remember me, that was against faith. He was a, he was a man of faith. He had bread today. He had a hope. Uh, you know, he should know that I don't take care of you. You don't have to try to act at it. You don't have to try to look for bread for tomorrow. Right? That's what that's what's demanded of Joseph, the great man of faith of, of yesteryear. For us, if, if you were in Joseph's situation, you had better make sure that's the right thing for you to do. Right? And, 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 and that is your responsibility. Right? We, no, we no longer can uh, live up to those, those, those standards. So the other wrinkle in this discussion is that who we are matters. So the level that's required of Moses and Joseph in this particular area is not what's demanded of us. I think it's that, 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 made, that blows open the whole discussion. We have to say, okay, who are we talking about? And that's why it's not a cut-and-dried issue for more reasons. Both There's legitimacy on both sides of the argument, and who the person is greatly should alter how exactly uh, uh, you know, they, they reconcile this, this issue. Isn't that why Moses gets the worst treatment in the Torah out of anybody? It's very interesting, right? Well, like, if you read the Torah, you'd say Moses is the villain. He gets, right. he gets re- rebuked more, more than anyone else. Of him than Exactly. What happens so when Moses? He was judged more harshly by Moses. Much more. What happens when Moses hits the rock? What does God tell him? We read it. Uh, you're we read it. You're supposed to speak to, yeah, you're ago. Not going to No, he tells him much more. He says, "You have no faith." Yeah. What? Moses has no faith. For Moses, at his level, that was an activity that was against his level of faith. For us, it would be the greatest act of faith we could possibly do. If I told you hit a rock and water's going to come out of it, and you actually did it. You have entire faith, right? If you have, we have, if God told it'd us, right? Believer, it'd make believers out of all. You would still do it, right? We, we, whoa, he's actually doing it. What, what faith? For, for, you know, for Moses, that, that's, God tells him you have no faith. For Moses, there's no faith. For us, that would be the greatest act of faith we can ever, ever imagine. So, as I say, it's a very interesting discussion. I think there's more room to discuss if, if, if I get invited back. I, well, you'll be back. You'll be okay, I hope so. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll talk about it further. It's a, it's a very fun, very fun discussion, I, I think. Yes, sure. Sure. But I, I think, you know, there's the, issue, the discussions out there. I think it's that even if we don't do part two, we still have a lot uh, to think about and churn over in our mind. Okay, thanks a lot, everyone. Thank you. Lots of fun as usual. And uh, everyone have a wonderful Shabbos. And thank you for the climate management. It was great. I got worked up a little bit, but... Uh, <laughs>